Hey, Crystal. Hey. We are here for another episode of Nobody's Muses. We took a little bit of time off. I had to get my voice back, and you can yes. tell it's still a little interesting sounding, but we'll I'm keep, so sorry. Summertime we'll power through. Stuck. Power through, like the professional that you are. Yep. So, if you're just finding us, if we've somehow stumbled across your... Um, your YouTube um, feed or your Instagram or whatever. Um, this is Nobody's Muses. We have done 11 episodes so far. We took and broke down every episode of the Amazon original series, Daisy Jones and the Six, based off of the best-selling novel, Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And we talked through every episode from the music, the culture, what was going on in the country at this time, the characters, did a little bit of comparison between the book and the show. And so we've gone through all of those conversations. So if you are missing Daisy Jones and the Six, like I think we both are, um, go back and listen to all those episodes or watch all those episodes because I am, um, I am missing it. I keep listening to Aurora, the deluxe album that's out on Spotify, because it has all those other additional tracks. Yep. So when we, we, when we go back and we get that, like, what were your top spins of 2023? Mine is definitely going <laughs> to be all Aurora. Over and over. Okay, it's going to be Aurora and Yacht Rock, probably. Yeah. Hold on. Let's see if I can so, get my camera to focus. Hold on. I wonder why it's not focusing for you. That's really weird. Let's see if I can get it. Or is it our old eyeballs that are not? Well, I mean, I do have like the beauty filter on. Okay, that's more like it. It was like super blurry, so. Okay. <laughs> our old eyeballs not being able to tell what's going on. Okay, so we were, what were so we talking about? So, we're back here again, and we're, Crystal and I have more to talk about on Daisy Jones and the Six. So this week we thought we would spend some time talking about some of the differences between the show and the book. Maybe some of the things that we, you know, were kind of highs and lows for us. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're not going to tell you anything that you haven't noticed before as a reader and a watcher of the show or one of the hundred of different articles that have probably been um, published about this, but we're just going to share our insight and take as we kind of go through um, and talk about some of the glaring differences um, between the two. So, yep. where do we want to start? Well, mm, let's start with, I mean, one of the big differences that we've talked about before is um, no Pete. Yeah, there's no Pete. So, and we're, so and we have Chuck, but Chuck's different. Yes. So in the book, Pete is the, he's basically never talks. He's a member of the band. He plays, he's the bass player in the band. And he is Eddie's brother and best friend. And he, you know, basically it's a very kind of funny ongoing thing because he never talks to the interviewer until the very end. He says like one sentence. Right. And that's it. But Which he, is kind of a bummer because then Eddie doesn't have this, he doesn't have his person. 
Yes. Like, in the show, he doesn't have his person. He doesn't like, have a person, yeah, who kind of backs him up. But I mean, he's he, got Warren. He's got Warren in the show, but he doesn't have his brother. So. And Pete is very... Um, I think Pete's an interesting character in the sense that I think he's the person that to adjust to the six, the best of anyone. Like, he... He enjoys being in the band. He meets a girl from back home. He quits the band because he's in love with her, and that's it. And then he didn't even want to do the interview, really. Right. The band so, was past. And there was actually, it was just kind of funny, kind of just a running kind of idea, like, eventually are we going to hear from Pete? And we never, we do eat one sentence, and it's kind of a fun buildup in the book. Yeah, because to me, it's kind of it's kind of typical of his character in that, you know, he was a part of the story. He was a he was an integral part of the band. But when he left, he, he left the rock and roll lifestyle. Which so. I think there's a lot of bands like that. There's, you know, Charlie Watts from the Rolling Stones was very, you know, you know, secluded, didn't do a lot of interviews. Like there's that's kind of a a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So but and also it makes sense then for them to be called the six. Yes. I mean, that's kind of one of the biggest issues is the fact that there are not six. They had to do a lot of plot twists and turns in the series to make it work that they were the six. Yeah. They really had to back into that one. Like you remember from the show, the coffee scene or the coffee shop scene where they're talking. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, why are we still Karen brings it up? Why are we still the Dunn brothers? Right. And, you know, then they had to force kind of like Camilla oh, in there. Camilla's kind of like she's in the band like where's Camilla in there is the six <coughs> she's not Which, but again it, it it worked for the show but let it go diehards we had to we had to let that one go in my enjoyment of the series on that but yes yes and so then we have also Chuck yes. so we had Chuck in this the the show mm-hmm. okay and Chuck opts to quit the band to leave and go to dental school yes and so he leaves we see him coming back toward the end when they go back to pittsburgh but i think you know chuck's character although brief in the novel i still think it's important it's an important part of the storytelling because it lets us kind of know where they were where we were at that point in time in the country Yes. I mean, he was drafted. I mean, the mm-hmm. Dunn brothers, either of them could have been drafted. The only way you could get out of being drafted was if you were enrolled in college. Right. Which And you know, there, is a, there is a conversation, or uh, I think Billy goes over it, a conversation in the book about, you know, where his and Graham's numbers fell mm-hmm. and, and where lottery. Eddie and Pete fell, but Chuck fell, you know, Chuck fell at the top of the list, basically. Yes. Chuck ended up at the top of the list and was... Um, drafted and only over there for about six months before he was killed. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I, I think I read some articles again where they talked about, you know, changes and differences and that was just, they felt like that one was just too heavy um, for yeah. the series. I mean, I feel like maybe it is, it's kind of like, well, we've, we've seen that story so many times, maybe like what, what was it really going to add to the story so you know it's like what was that going to add to the story right so um and i do think that one choice that taylor jenkins reed really does make 
throughout this book is we don't ever have these situations where like she meets they meet Mick Jagger or they you know nobody really from that past there's never that kind of moment that you get in a lot of biopics and they make fun of and like Dewey Cox walk hard where it's like well hello there John Lennon and there's you know a cameo by a famous person going oh I am John Lennon you know so I think that that's kind of in the same vein of like let's not you know there's these things and they're real but we don't have to address it too much I mean we didn't have to have a whole lot of there was a lot of other things that happened during that time period you know we didn't have them talk about oh Nixon or you know all these other things. So yeah, I yeah. think that that's, that's a really of- good point. I mean, you could still she they were still able to tell the story of the time. Yes, without having to bring in some of those huge events um, of history because the focus needed to be on the band, not really on the on. Right. Yeah, it's it a fantasy. Those- it's a fantasy world set in the america's and 70s rock and roll it, but it's right. still in a way a fantasy world i mean there's no real teddy price there's no he's drawn from different people and influence mm-hmm. there's no daisy jones is not stevie nicks she's a conglomeration of probably many um influences for taylor jenkins Reid. so i understand kind of you're making this fantasy world and so that's why you do it right right and so, like, let's not bring it down by having a guy die. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was exactly what I saw in one of the articles that I read about the differences was, yeah, let's not bring the story down by having a, a main character die very early on in the story, very yeah. early on in the series. So, yeah. so and then another big change, really big difference is Simone's character. Huge difference. Yeah, I mean, Simone's character in the book is not gay. Um, and she, I feel like she's a little more integrated into Daisy's life throughout the, um, throughout everything that occurs. Um, she, she is much more like a mother figure to Daisy in the books. Um, they talk about her, you know, making Daisy go to school and graduate graduate, from, yeah. And yeah, she had, um, she had much more. I, I saw I saw it being a much larger age gap than what it appeared like in the show. Yeah, in the book, and I, I got a bigger age. I I anticipated like a bigger age gap. I kind of saw it as that like big sister little sister kind of relationship. And also, I mean, did they describe her as being black in yes, the book? Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember that part, and I didn't catch. Well, I don't I know. Maybe I guess I always pictured that she was. If yeah. we got that wrong, tell us. I, I think she, they, she was. Um, okay. The thing I liked, um, I think it was nice to have Simone. I think it's cool Let's to add another layer to her. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, because in the book there is a gay character. It's Rod, the manager, which was kind of cool. And he's very casual about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I met this guy, and then we bought a house, you know. Right. Um, but Simone... I feel like the her care and intense connection with Daisy is much stronger in the book. Yes. I mean, I'm not saying it's not good in the series, but you, especially I feel like the actress who reads Simone's um, 
in mm-hmm. the audible mm-hmm. is like you hear her like concern whenever yeah. Daisy goes off and marries that guy and those things. And, and let's just, I'm going to discuss that for a second because I think if you have watched the series and you have read the book, you're doing yourself a disservice by not listening to the audiobook. Yeah. Because I, the audiobook in and of itself is, I mean, it is a production. It is not just a simple, um, you know, duet, you know, dual narration. It's not a single narration. It is truly a cast of characters. Yes. Um, and some big names that you should know. Um, you know, um, Judy Greer's in there, and we've talked about that. Pablo Schreiber, Jennifer Beals, uh, Benjamin Bratt. So there are some some big players in Hollywood that are reading this book. And I think it, it harkens back, and I know we talked about this at one point, it harkens back to the radio shows of the 30s and the, you know, where soap opera got its start, yeah. you know, that type of thing. So by missing out on not listening to the audiobook, I, like you said, when you hear the narrator who is reading Simone's part, um, read it in the book, it's, it's really you the, intense. You like get the it, depth of the relationship. Yeah, you really do. And both of them, I think that Jennifer does such a great job to reading Daisy. Yes. So, um, and but I like, and one thing I really like in the book that Simone, at the end, Simone, you know, when they talk about where their life is now, Simone became a pretty, you know, she was a disco star, had a moment, but her daughter, she has a daughter who becomes a big star. Mm-hmm. And I liked that for Simone. And I, I mean, and you know, maybe she and Bernie could have had that, could have that too. Um, in the series world, you know, um, but I like that she had that connection to music through her daughter. Yeah. You know, but I mean, the story of Simone and Bernie in the, in the series, I think is a great story. And it's also about choices you make and what's more important to you. Right. And I feel like that's kind of subplot in there. The conversation of, yeah, choosing, you know, love over career or, choosing yourself over a career well and i mean ultimately that's what all of the people in the in the in the series and the book do mm-hmm. you know simone has to pick she picks being her authentic self and being with bernie daisy picks being sober and healthy and we're in and billy has to do that same thing all of them have to decide that the music and the six is not worth it right right you know so, and, you know, so I like those changes, and but I, I would say the book also is, just the Simone character is a very strong and different in good ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I think is, I think where they did really, really well with the series is that the changes that they made, I don't think were detrimental. No. And, you know, I struggled at the beginning with some of the music changes, I have since come around and evolved, um, and a large part of where I came to an okayness and acceptance of these changes of lyrics was in that final episode. But yeah, yeah, so I think even, you know, there's nothing that they changed about any of the 
you know, omissions of characters that I think did, you know, or, or the adding depth to Simone and adding in Bernie. I don't think any of those things did any, you know, disservice to the story itself. I think they, no. you know, they didn't seem forced. No, no. As they went in through it. So. So, and then another difference, though, that we talked about a little bit in the last few um, podcasts that we did was um, Karen and Daisy's. Um, relationship and mm-hmm. in the book there's a lot more interaction with Karen and Daisy not a ton more but I think there's like a really important one because in the series um, you know the person who first calls Daisy out in the band for how much drug she does is is Billy in that really great episode where they um, you know they spend the whole day writing a song together and, you know, she, he, and he asked her how many drugs she does. And she's like, oh, I can stop any time. And she throws the stuff in the toilet. In the book, that's Karen who has that conversation mm-hmm. with her. And I'll actually read it. It says, this is Karen. She says, Daisy and I were in the back minding our own business the majority of the flight. We had those these two chairs facing each other, a couple of cocktails looking out the window. I remember Daisy pulled out a pill box and knocked back two pills, washed them down with a sip of her drink. She started wearing all of those bangles by then, as many as would fit on her arms. Everything clinked when she moved it, so as Daisy is putting her pillbox back in her pocket, her bangles start clanging, and I made a joke about how they were built-in tambourines, and she thought that was cool. She took a pen and wrote it down on her hand, and then when she put the pen away, she took out the pillbox again and took two pills from it and put them in her mouth. I said, Daisy, you just took two. She said, I did? Yeah, and she just shrugged and swallowed them. I said, come on, don't be one of those people. And Daisy was irritated by that and shoved the pill box in her hand. Take them if you're so worried about it. I don't even need them. And then she threw the pills at me. Yeah. So, you know, I think what I liked about that is them just being friends. And I feel like I would have liked a little bit more of that in the this series. Um, but I would also say in the series, it makes sense for Billy to confront her of it, on it too. So it's not yeah. like a huge loss, but I would have liked those because it may would have made like that thing we talked about in the last episode where she goes and gives Karen a hug while they're performing because they're all in a bad place. It would have made that um, even more meaningful. Right, right. And you, and. I, I, you know, I kind of get why they did it because we had to compress so much time because that was one thing I went back when we talked about, you know, wanting to kind of redo this um, or do this episode kind of on some differences as I went back into the book and there just so much time had to be compressed because in the book or the audio book, you know, you have Daisy who's having her own career, who's, you know, recorded a record and toured on her own and now you know, the six has done that. They've had records. They've, you know, coming back and, and Daisy's actually going out and opening for them on tour while she's singing with them. So having to compress so much stuff down into the series, it makes sense why they, they did what they did, but I do. Yeah, I do miss because it did seem like they just didn't have, they just didn't have much of a relationship in the show. When we I mean, know. there's a scene where she gets her out of jail. Right. And. <laughs> but, but there's not, you know, I think they could have deepened that. I would have liked to have seen that connection deeper because, again, we have these opportunities for relationships with women that we see in the book 
these friendships among women that we don't necessarily see in the series. But I get it. There's right. time constraints, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it didn't, like, it didn't push the story forward, necessarily. Right. Because the story isn't about their relationship. Right. Right. So, a couple of the song differences. So, um, and I think some of it, I tried to go back and listen to that chapter in particular today. And I'm trying to go back and um, see my notes that I clicked on. Um, or that I t- tagged my in my book. Um, but, you know, two songs that we, that were pretty pivotal in that and I guess we can talk about the kiss as well as we have the episode where, you know, they're trying to record, um, there's arguing, you know, Daisy, um, he's trying, you know, he writes more fun to miss and they're arguing about it and they go out in the parking lot and Billy kisses her very manipulative to try to get her back on the mic to finish recording and in turn, the next day, she comes back in there with regret me. But in the book, all of that kind of happens very differently. And of course, we know, again, we've got time constraints and things are going to be very different. It was not um, more fun to miss. It was impossible woman in the book. So it was it was regret me. It was still called regret me in the show as well as in the book. But the lyrics are significantly different um and the kiss is different too right because the the sequence of events that create more fundamentals and regret me in the series you know they're having this great chemistry and then the rolling stone reporter sees them billy gets a little you know freaked out because it's like oh you, you you know there's some is there something going on between you two and Billy's like, oh, no, 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 this is just, you know, just, just, you know, an act. And then Daisy finds out that that's what he said. And so she gets super drunk, doesn't show up for the recording session. Billy finds her. She's so drunk. She's standing on glass, all of that. And then he writes this song and then he kind of bullies her because she's like, I don't want to sing it. I can't sing it. And he just keeps yelling at her, yelling at her. And then that's how it comes about. In the book, there's a similar sequence. She doesn't get mad at him. She's just typical Daisy and partying. And he goes and finds her. And then he comes back and writes Impossible Woman. And the difference is, though, in the book, he's, she's like, I can't see it. And he's like, you can do it. And he keeps asking her to do it over. Not in a mean way, kind of like he does in the series, but like supporting her we talked about it a little bit but and then she's so excited that she finally gets it and they sound good and they both love they agree that it was good and the actual sequence of happens with their gut me happens later right yeah i was just i was picking and they're writing yeah they're writing a song together because yeah the whole impossible woman comes first and the kiss is a little bit later but again before she writes regret me Right. But in the book, she writes it. They're working at the pool house together at Teddy's pool house. Mm-hmm. Where that's where they write all the stuff. And she is sitting by him on the piano. 
they have their riding together and she kisses him. Yeah. And he was and he's a very gentle he says I I can't do that. Yeah, it's as you said, you know, Daisy's they're sitting there and um she says I was playing a few with him. We were trying to figure out the right note. The few lines Billy had written already, I remember them exactly. Nothing I wouldn't do to go back to the past and wait for you. And he sang it while I was sitting next to him. And Daisy put her hand on mine to stop me from playing and looked at him and said, I really like writing with you. And I said back to her, I really like writing with you too. And then Daisy, and then he said, I like a lot about you. And then it goes in and and Daisy says, my lips barely grazed his. I could feel them only in the sense that I was aware of having almost felt them. And then he pulled back and Billy looked at me and his eyes were so kind when he said it, but he said, I can't. My heart dropped in my chest. I don't mean that figuratively. I could actually feel it sinking in my chest. Billy said, I stuttered thinking about it, about that time. How could I have made one small mistake that would have how I could have made one small mistake that would have thrown off my life, thrown my life away. And so, you know, it's, it's not as, it's, it's not, not as mean. mean. It's as not it like in the show. It's actually, um, he's very kind to her, I think. And then she writes regret mm-hmm. me and it's pretty, woof, you know, scorched earth. But, um, so I think yeah. in some ways, the book version is different, but to get regret me, I think actually that the the series version is a little better because he does kind of mess with her, and right, you know, I'm still torn with that one because again, the lyrics of the book version it has one of my favorite lines, and baby, when you think of me, I hope it ruins yeah. rock and roll. I just love, I just love yeah, that line. Great. I just love that line and the way regret me played out in the book as they were, as their demise was happening was really a, a, a great moment for me, a great moment for me, but, but, um, yeah, so, so those things kind of played out, but you know, impossible woman, um, I'm trying to go back and look at some of the lyrics. Dancing barefoot in the snow, cold can't touch her, high or low. She's blues dressed up like rock and roll, untouchable, she'll never fold. She'll have you running in the wrong direction, have you coming for the wrong obsession. Oh, she's gunning for the for your redemption, have you headed back to confession. So it's got some great lyrics too. It's got some great lyrics too. That again knowing where Billy was kind of mindset wise at that point in time. Um, the lyrics to impossible woman make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think what was going on. What with I think works though in the, you know, the more fun to miss slash regret me moment in the series works so well because both of them are writing out of about each other, calling each other out in very true ways. And they're very, um, they're angry, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. But it's also interesting that that's not the song that Billy refuses to sing on the tour. Like, Regret Me, right. and she doesn't refuse to sing More Fun to Miss. Those aren't the songs they refuse to sing. So. And, you know, what's really, I mean, she wrote, 
she wrote regret me for him but his his dig song was for her to sing it yeah it wasn't him singing it wasn't him singing right. a song to her that's true about her being an her being yep. you know more fun that's to miss true. it was he wrote it in first person for daisy to say about yeah, herself that's that's, ooh, that's really which yeah, is kind she... of you know, here again, we love Billy, but he does some really shitty stuff in the series. Yeah, but so did she. But that's Billy because Billy yeah. controlled everything and it went Billy's way. But also, I mean, you know, so, so does she. I mean, like, what the, 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 the more practical thing is instead of, you know, getting all drunk and high whenever a guy hurts your feelings is maybe going, hey, you hurt my feelings. Like, I thought we had this connection, and we don't, you know, or whatever, instead of just, you know, so, I mean, the problem with addicts or people, people in general, is they're self, we're selfish, and they're both really right. selfish at that time. Yeah. At that point in their lives, yeah. You're right, you're right. So... One of the things that's a little bit different, well, we have some different, you mentioned Rod, because in the book, Rod is gay, doesn't really bring it up, you don't really recognize that throughout it's just a thing about him. the story. Yeah, it's just a thing about him. And then also, um, Teddy, so Teddy um, died... In the midst of the book. Yes. As opposed to the show where he, they kind of are we don't flashing back and he had passed away later. Yeah. Um, but he died in the midst of. Right. They're finishing up their tour. Yeah. And um, he had a heart attack and dies. I mean, right. his character in the book is British. Um, yeah, course, very different. I mean, the. Um, and married in the book, we don't in the series. We he comes that when he comes home that one time he has a woman with him, but it seems like he's kind of lives by himself. Yeah, well, and she had a name in the book. She was yeah, Yasmin. Yeah, um, um, but you know, and I was never... and I listened to the showrunner Scott Newstat talk about it, and he was very influenced um, when he was thinking of Teddy. He was thinking of Tom Wilson, who was um, an important African American producer of that time who did produce a lot of rock albums and was kind mm -hmm. of unique in the sense of, of his, of his position. So, um, but Teddy's death in the book, like the, you know, Billy and Daisy had kind of reached a level set there. Like Daisy kind of had her drugs under control. Billy was kind of doing okay. Um, Teddy dies and they both spiral pretty badly. Mm -hmm. She gets back to using drugs so hard. And Billy is just um, overcome with anxiety because he's like, how am we ever going to make another record again if I don't have Teddy? Yeah. <clears throat> I, can, I can get that. I can. I'm trying to find in, in the book. Which, you know, I've been reading. I finished reading that book about the making of rumors and before rumors is even finished Lindsay Buckingham is already 
be anxious about how are they going to follow up with it. So this is not an untrue idea. Like, it's never enough. Mm -hmm. You're always looking for something else. Yeah, you've got to think ahead of the next project. You've got to create the next hit. It's not enough to have the one of the most platinum records of all time. What are you going to do next? It's not enough to win an Oscar. Are you going to win a second Oscar? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your... It's never enough and like that to me. So Billy, being nervous about that, especially because he depended so much on Teddy, was an interesting part of the story. Which, But I liked it that they didn't have him die. Because I really liked the, the father-son relationship mm-hmm. that this series provided for... Teddy and Billy. Yeah. Because I do think that there was a strong, you know, Billy needed, Billy needed that father figure in his life and Teddy filled that role for him. Um, I thought. And I feel like, um, it's kind of like not killing Chuck. I don't think we needed that heaviness. I think there was enough heaviness going on with Daisy and Billy that we really didn't need that. Well, and we got the heaviness because when he did have the heart attack and we saw Billy's reaction to it, Mm -hmm. we got a very authentic reaction, emotional reaction to it that I think we could all um, relate to. We could all relate to. Yeah. So. So another big difference really is just the character of Camila. Yeah. And, you know... There's a lot of little things, like in the book, Camila doesn't go with Billy on tour. She breaks up with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they they are apart, and he's not he does not do well without her. And then when right. they get a record deal, then he was like, if we have a record deal, will you come out here? And, you know, yeah. and she well, does. Even how they, met, how they met is different mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of, there's lots of little things about Camila that are that are different um and i'm not sure that i liked what they did with her in the show oh i I mean there were parts of it that i just really liked her character a lot in the book tell me about the things that you i just felt like she was way more independent and way more her own person um, in the book than she, like she was not putting up with it. And I, I know that there's the scene in the show where she shows up pregnant with Julia and catches him um, when he is in the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. when he is hitting rock bottom. And um, that conversation that they have in the motel room. Um, and I know, and again, she had that, that other conversation, you know, do you love her? No, I don't. And he's, she's, you know, if that happens, then this is over that conversation in the kitchen in one of the episodes. Um, so she does have those brief and I, and I guess, again, we go back to the time constraint. We do have those brief moments where you do see, I see the Camilla from the book up on the screen. And so maybe it is just a time crunch because she had so many of those. I felt like she had so many of those in, the book and I guess they just didn't have time to put all of that in there I don't know I mean I feel like sometimes the book Camilla is just a little too um 
she doesn't show her jealousy, which she had to have been jealous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that kind of goes to like we talk about in the unreliable narrator and the fact that she's being interviewed by her daughter. Sure. So, and it's 20, you know, it's 40 years later in the book, 30 years later. So part of it's that, but I think, and I think it is good. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes I felt like Camila wasn't, I feel like she should have been a little bit jealous. I think she was just the right amount of jealous in the series. Mm-hmm. Like, you see this stuff, interaction with your husband and this woman, like, you would have to have some of that. Yeah. And that wasn't, I, that wasn't a part of her that I disliked in the series. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think that Camila is kind of a difficult character in the sense that because Billy puts her on a pedestal, we as the audience kind of do too. Right. And so we don't see her as a real person in yeah. some ways. And I do think the scenes like whenever she, um, when she ends up hooking up with Eddie, which that's not in the book, of course. Right. Um, but when she does that are moments where we actually get to see who she is as a person, you know, and I, I like those parts. Mm-hmm. I like how in the book, in the series, we actually see her as a photographer. We see her getting joy from that, not just being a mom. Right. You know, so I think that in some ways to me, there's moments where maybe the book Camilla is stronger. But I think the series Camilla, considering the time constraints, it's a more fleshed out character. Yeah. You know, I get it. but, you know. But and and maybe my I don't know maybe my book love for her comes in large part from those those pivotal those pivotal moments especially in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, like let's talk about and that. It play and it play and I mean the final episode. Um, I think w- was perf. It was pretty darn close to perfection. Yep. Um, not that it went exactly like the book. No. Because it didn't. But this is where this is where I got okay with the songs because of the way they organized the show, the flashbacks, the currents, and the music that was playing at the time. That's where I kind of got okay with the music. Um, but the. But the final episode, I think, um, and the final, you know, the final section of the book, because um, it's not really chapters in the book, but the Chicago, the way Chicago played out. Um, so, because in the book, the whole thing plays out very differently because Simone basically, not Simone, Camila basically confronts Daisy and says. Right. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to leave him. Yeah, because Pittsburgh never happened. Right in the in the book, Pittsburgh never happened in the book. But we go to Chicago, and um, and Daisy is basically, Daisy is basically she keeps going, but she, her heart is breaking every performance. Mm-hmm. She can't. She was using drugs and Nikki to get by, and then Teddy's dead, and so she is just 
barely hanging on. Right. Because, and so basically, and, and Billy is getting more, it's messing with Billy even more too. And Camila basically tells her, you've got to, you've got to go. Yeah. And that's the scene that um, Julia remembers. She remembers Daisy and says, oh, I remember you. You were crying. That's, yeah, that's the other thing is that in the show, when we reveal who the narrator, who the interviewer is, mm-hmm. it's her talking to her mom and remembering, oh, I remember that night. You and dad were on the balcony. You were wearing this purple dress. She was talking to her dad. She's talking yeah. to Billy. Yeah. Okay. But it was all about, I remember mom, she was wearing this purple dress. You guys were on the balcony. And in the book, the big reveal comes and she's actually talking to Daisy. And she says, let's see here. I looked down the hall and I realized it was, well, out into the hallway comes Camilla and she's holding Julia. And author says, wait a minute. And then we get this note, author's note, while I've, while I've made a concerted effort to remove myself from the narrative, I have included here a verbatim transcript of one of the conversations I have with Daisy Jones, because I am in fact, the only one who can cooperate, cooperate her, the essential piece of Daisy's story. And Daisy goes on to say, yeah. And author says, you were wearing the white dress. Yeah. And you were sitting in the hallway and you couldn't open your own door. Yeah. And my mom, yeah, your mom opened the door for me. So there's this conversation in the hallway and Daisy, like you said, is so messed up that Camila, she can't get her key in the door. She can't get her door to work right. And so Camila has to let her in her room with, with Julia in her arms. And there's this whole conversation where she puts Julia down on the bed and gets her back to sleep. And then Daisy and Camilla have this conversation that's one-on-one that says, you know, um, Daisy, I don't know you very well, but I know you have a great heart and you're a good person. And I know my daughter wants to grow up to be, be you one day. So I don't want you to get hurt. I want good things for you. I want you to be happy. And I really mean that. You probably think that I don't, but I do. And she said she just wanted to make one thing really clear. I can't just sit here and watch you and Billy torture each other. I don't want that for the man I love. I don't want that for the father of my children. And I don't want that for you. And Daisy said, I don't want that either. And so um, then there's Billy. Billy's at the bar at this time. um, And Daisy comes back and says, Camilla said, Daisy, you need to leave this band. And at this point, Julia was fast asleep. Camilla said, if I'm wrong and you're already in the process of moving on and you're willing to let him move on, then don't listen to me. You have no responsibility to me. But if I'm right and you're doing us all a favor, if you left and got yourself clean and found a life away from him, you'd be doing it for yourself. And yes, you'd be doing him a service, but also you'd be helping me take care of my children. This very candid conversation is one of those things that like, I think I, I could, you know, it makes sense to me. It makes sense yeah. to me of trying to speak to her one on woman as woman, woman to woman. I'm not going to get overly emotional. There's not going to be screaming and crying. I'm just going to lay it out for you. Right. You need to go. Yeah. And just like that. Um, no, it's a very, it's a coming from a, very a, 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 a point of strength that's a 
different from the that's very different from the series oh i was gonna just say it goes on um I was quiet for a while trying to process what Camilla was saying. And then she said, I think it's time for you to go. But whatever you decide, Daisy, just know that I am rooting for you. I want you to get clean, take care of yourself. And that's what I'm rooting for. And I finally said, why do you care about what happens to me? She said, I think almost everybody on this planet cares about you. I shook my head and I said, they like me. They don't care about me. And she said, no, you got that wrong. But again, it's just this whole conversation of... You know, her just talking to Daisy. Um, and this is the one where, I think, is it this? Where she talks about, you know, I don't need a perfect marriage. Right. It's probably further down, and I don't want to continue to just read word for word. But I, I don't want a perfect marriage. I just want our marriage. Right. Yep. I mean, And, and while all this is going on. Billy's down. Billy's trying. downstairs drinking. Billy's downstairs drinking. Right. I think that. Breaking his sobriety. I think that Camilla, I guess, I think it's really great in the book. And, but I also think what happens in the series is also good because mm-hmm. I do wonder, I mean, Camilla has seen all this going on. Like, I do think it's very realistic for her to tell Billy, you need to decide what you want. Right. Well, and think about the ballroom conversation that Camilla yes. walks into the ballroom at the hotel mm-hmm. and the conversation that she she and have Daisy have there is equally as powerful. Yes. Um, and take some lines from this, but you know, um, that conversation is very authentic and very real. And again, we're not getting emotional. We're not screaming and yelling. We're not sobbing and crying. We're not threatening anybody. We're just saying, I need you to, you know, do this. Okay. But let's think about it just in this way though. Is, is it, is it less good or is it, I don't know. In the book, it's the women who decide how this is going to be. Daisy, Camila tells Daisy, you got to leave him. And I guess in the, in the series, in the same way, Daisy tells Billy, You've got to go back to her. So, okay, maybe I my, I lost my argument myself there. But <laughs> I think both are both are equally as powerful because again, it's about a strong female character. We're, you know, the line that Daisy has at the very beginning, you know, is this the part where the men go off and figure out the pro, you know, figure out the right. issue? Right. Well, in this situation, no, it was not Daisy. Or it was not Billy going out and figuring out what to do about this. It was in the book, Camilla and Daisy coming to an yep. agreement. And even in the show, it was Camilla and Daisy in that ballroom and then Daisy letting him go. Yeah. Yeah. Daisy right. let him go. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the whole series again. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, and I think I want to read the book again, too. Yeah, I, I just started reading, and I was like, oh, God, Crystal, you've got a, stuff to do. Um, I'm such a freaking psycho. But it's, you know, I think that ultimately it's, it, the differences to me um, never took away from the, the quality of the show. If you'd never seen the, um, if you'd never read the book, you wouldn't have even noticed these things. And so these differences are um, just choices that I think I can understand why they made them. Yeah. 
You know? I would. I, I wish we were a big enough podcast that we could get the songwriters and yeah. talk to them. Because I want to understand when they wrote the songs. Like, did because they already have the script? Like, did they have the, did they have the title, every like, script? Did and we they know knew? how, did we know how the episodes, did we have the script for all the episodes? Because again, I go back to the changes to the songs made perfect sense based on the last episode. And yeah. I was totally at peace with them. The way they ran through the songs and what was going on in the story the songs were perfect because ultimately we ended up with look at us now. And that song went from being a love song to the changes that Daisy made in the recording to a song about this band. Right. And I would just, and I know that look at us now was uh, Marcus Mumford was one of the writers. So, I mean, I'm not expecting Marcus Mumford to sit down with an interview, but I would just really love to know like how, like was the script already written and so they were able to kind of talk through it with the songwriters and say, here's what's going on and here's how it ultimately ends up. And we need right. you to write us some songs. Because everything I've read doesn't really have that. I mean, I have found stuff where they talk about the songwriting, but not like where it was in the process. Right. I would really love to know that. I mean, it'd have to be pretty early on because like when you're writing it, they have to say, I don't know. It's really interesting to think about that. I'd be be very very curious but so now let's just kind of go and talk about some highs and lows and some favorite parts to us and um, we'll start with a couple of lows to me Um, a big low to me is of course Tim Oliphant's wigs I've made fun of him I feel like everybody else's wigs are pretty good and like they do a good job of capturing kind of 90s hair Mm mm-hmm you know, especially I think Billy's hair is really good and his little facial hair. And yeah. also, like we mentioned, Daisy's hair, when we see even the little montage with her with the scrunchie when she's with her girl, her daughter, and then her hair and makeup in the, um, you know, in the in the 1997 interviews. But like Tim Oliphant's hair is just, I don't know what what was going on with those wigs but well that's just you know everybody else the guys in the band all grew their hair out so yeah there was not a whole lot that they had they just all and they had the time and the opportunity to do it because you know initially production was shut down because of covid so they had all of that time at home to one grow their hair out to practice their instruments and get better um so I don't know if Timothy, Timothy Oliphant had something else going on that he couldn't um, probably grow his hair out. He was probably shooting but, Justified, yeah. or he was being or he was being a ranger in some movie, or a sheriff, like <laughs> or in The Mandalorian, or whatever Book yeah. of Boba Fett, whatever. I mean, I don't have as much. I guess like his '90s wig, I was okay with. It was better. It was the. I feel like that would, might have been some of his hair, but that. Sitting at the pool in his shorts. That shorty. thing looked like it was going to come off any minute. It was going to fly off. <laughs> Look at his his shorty, um, yeah, his shorty robe at well, the and pulls on at the beginning was pretty funny. So um, another low for me though is um, believing Sam Claflin was a teenager in that first episode. Like yeah. I'm like, dude, you look forty. <laughs> 
Yeah, you kind of. I mean, it had all that of like licks. in um, Dewey Cox when they're like, "I'm only 14 years old," and he's like, "Obviously 50." Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they did they did a good job of of kind of aging Daisy even when she went from being like, you know, her original kind of solo stuff to being yeah in the six. Um, they aged her pretty well, but. But yeah, um, it was, you know, it was a stretch um, in some of those. I mean, I did love the actors that played young Billy and Graham. I really loved the actor who played young Billy. Mm -hmm. I thought he was really good. But yeah, some of that was like, come on, man, you you look 40. (laughs) I mean, he kind (laughs) of looks old for his age anyway. I feel like he does, the actor. Yeah. So, and then another low, which is something that we've talked about to me, um, and this is a little bit more, you know, it, more not so shallow is the, just the choices that they make um, in kind of circling around tough topics like abortion right. and Simone's sexuality and just kind of like the whole, you know, somehow um, Camila intuits just by looking just at those sad looking Karen's eyes that she that obviously just, is pregnant. Not yeah. that she's, you know, just sad. Right, or you know, like her mom died. I mean, there's a million reasons you could look like yeah. that. Like, that was so weird. And this also just not like Simone just going, I am gay. I'm gay. You know, yeah. like. Because again, of, we know she may not have been able to be out in the public. But she, with her friends. Yes. And Daisy, she could be for real, for real. And there wouldn't be, or with Teddy, she could be for real. And there wouldn't be a problem. And just kind of going, well, they just didn't want me to, you, I'm telling you, Rachel, if I was in that situation, we were sitting by ourselves, I would have said, no, they wanted me to hide that I'm in love with Bernie. And so I couldn't do it. I wouldn't have done some kind of cryptic thing. So the little tap dance around. I mean, I, I look, I don't, I honestly still have a hard time understanding in some reasons why they made those choices. I feel like it was a little bit of a cop out. Um, I don't know. But, you know, overall, that did it ruin the series for me? No. But it's still kind of like, what? Why'd you do that? Yeah. So. But so some from, of the highs of the show. So there's a First highs. off, the aesthetic. Yes. Um, you know, and I, I told you, I, I saw a couple of, like, social TikToks or Instagram posts where they're like, that's not real. Shut Gen Z, sit, take a seat because you don't know what you're talking about. Um, I mean, and it's like, it's just crazy how the set design was just so spot on. Yes. I mean, just from canisters sitting on countertops to, you know, clocks that were on walls to the televisions to the turntables. I mean, the aesthetic was just every detail was spot on for me and I think the clothes were and they weren't and it wasn't you know in the book she talks a lot about how um she gets sent all these Halston dresses mm-hmm. you know because again she kind of has her own um you know recording history and and stardom before she joined in with the six in the book so she would get all these Halston dresses um, but in the series, the look that they gave it was completely realistic as far as what you would think that somebody at that state of their career would be able to afford and be able to wear. Um, 
So, I mean, I just really thought the looks were all really, really good as far as, you know, the way they dressed. Well, and the way it's shot, I think, is really, um, it has a very warm, there's a warmth to all the um, shots, and it has like a, I would call like a California glow to it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, they, they picked a color palette, and everything has kind of got these earthy, tones that you think of when you think of the 70s you know like it's um the colors in their wardrobe the colors that they wear um like we talked about the choices of clothes like who's wearing light color clothes who's wearing dark color clothes at certain points in the show um i think it's you know i mean that's why they pay art directors for you know and costume designers but i thought they it looked Especially in this time where they really are, budgets are so tight for these kinds of shows. Mm -hmm. I thought it did look lush and expensive and it didn't look like, it looked more like a movie versus a TV series. Right. So. um, And you know, Amazon, if you, Amazon usually does a pretty good job with that. Yeah. You know. We spent a lot of money on Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yeah. But just to get like authentic looking as far as costume, yeah, and even like the the color, you know, the lighting and the tone, it's just they they usually do a pretty good job of that. I'm thinking of that one um, Riot Girls, that was the newspaper show. Oh they yeah, only Girls lasted Gone. for a season. Yeah, that was a good show, and it was a very I mean, good show. the marvelous Miss Maisel has some beautiful, really yeah. good, um, really good stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's another one for sure. Um, Okay, well, another high for me is um, the end of episode three um, when they finally record Honeycomb because mm -hmm. it is, um, you've been waiting for this. The first couple of episodes are, they're okay. They're putting everybody in place. You're getting everything arranged, but then, um, and you're just waiting for this to finally happen because you know it's called Daisy Jones and the Six. Eventually they have to be together. And we haven't even seen them in a scene together other than like these little kind of walk-bys, you mm-hmm. know. And when they finally, when she walks in and she, they, and that first moment when she starts singing, um, you know, with him and they harmonize and it is electric and perfect. And from that moment, there's funny parts. There's a lot of jokes. It, like this, it really tightens up the pace of the show, and you get, you feel excited, and it's so, it's just, and it ends on this high, you know. And you're like, oh my god, I can't wait to see the next episode and see what yeah. happens. Is that the one where he's like, I'm a motherfucking genius? Was that the yes. episode? Was that how Teddy was like, I'm a motherfucking genius? I don't know if it was there. No, when they I, I can't remember. Or was that when they finished recording the whole album? I think it's I when they know. finish recording um, in the next episode when they finish recording. Yeah, um, but but you're that. I mean, we talked about it in pretty good detail when we recapped that episode. But um, the dynamic there that you saw come alive um, and this creation of this band that was coming forth simply by these two people finally being able to sing together um, was pretty... I mean, when they sing, did we unravel that part? When they sing, that part is so amazing. And Mm -hmm. then you see Karen look like, oh, like you see, and it's not, it's so hard sometimes because you're, 
in things like this, it's like, oh, they're supposed to be awesome, and it they're not, you know, actually, in the, and then this one, they actually, it is, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah. And just in general, I think, I think overall the music, not just um, the music that was created for the band, but the music throughout the series. Yeah. Was so well thought out and picked and like the songs that they close every song with is so good like Mm -hmm. you know like we talked about some of the stuff that's just playing in the background that they use it's very interesting they're not just putting like you know the the cliche is anytime there's a you know a a movie or something set in the 60s then you've got to play you know um are you going to san francisco or they're going to play um you know fortunate son from you know credence like mm-hmm. um you're going to hear these kind of all the same songs you know and then right. the fact that they didn't do that the forrest gump tra- soundtrack which is a good yeah. soundtrack but yeah still, i mean you know freedom they're, the rock. they're going to play freedom rock um yeah. and this they don't they really made some interesting choices in those songs that they used at the end of every episode. All as you know, all the music in the background, what they're hearing, um, even the um, when the really wonderful song that they sing, um, the Ooh La La song. That's not just your. That's not a song you. That's a song you're like, oh, I forgot. That's a cool song, but it's not like yeah. part of something you hear all the time. Right. You know, I think those were really, the music supervisors are really smart in that sense um, in creating this. And of course, like, it better be a damn highlight since that's what the show's about. The high had better be the music in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say another high is just um, Riley Keough. I mean, what a great actress. Um, I'm still just so incredibly blown away that, you know, she... You know, although she came from this musical family, that was not her thing. She was always into film. She never considered herself, you know, musically inclined. And yet with some great coaching and talent, she has, it was like she was always a musician to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just really, it's just beautifully She's beautifully acted by her, and um, everybody, I think, in the show is really good, but I think she's just such a highlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just wondering what she's going to do. I mean, I know she probably has a project already, <coughs> in, already in play, but I will definitely be checking them out, even if they're not musically related, <laughs> because she is she's extremely talented. And so. Sam Claflin, I mean, you know, Everybody had seen Sam Claflin, and he admits, I think he did some musical theater in, you know, high school or at uni. But, I mean, he became, he became Billy. Yeah. He pulled it off. Yeah. And um, did what he needed to do to sell it. So, I still want an SNL performance by Daisy Jones and the Six. After I want the, something. I want them to perform After the writer's strike. Come on. <laughs> After Come the writer's on. strike is resolved next Come year, on, can AMTPT, we, get your whatever they AM. Could we get them as a as a musical? Raleigh Keogh could host, and Daisy Jones and the Six could be the musical guest. I 
me. I have a feeling that window is probably out now because I'm probably going to be doing films now. So I mean, that's what I figured as well. But a girl can hope, right? Yeah. So, you know, because I'm almost out of voice anyway. So, how do we feel now that it's all over? I I mean, I I still go back to. I don't think enough people are talking about the show. <coughs> I was going to tell you that, um, you know, I've been trying to learn guitar and uh, Ultimate Guitar Tabs is where I go to look at guitar stuff. And all of the songs have been tabbed. They've created tabs for it on Ultimate Guitar. Nice. So, I mean, like, that's kind of, you know, it's popular enough for that. Right. That's kind of cool. I just yeah, do think it's so hard, unless you're the Flash, unless you're a Marvel movie, or you're an HBO show, for you to really get into the zeitgeist in the way that we think things should be. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> there are you know, so many it, things that we love, and I don't understand no one, then they'll be like, you know, and like, I've never seen it, and you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I think this is starting something great for Taylor G. <coughs> Which you did, they did just release a movie based on one of her other books. Hadn't done that well. Um, it's not a book of hers that I've read. Um, but we know Evelyn Hugo, um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, is slated for Netflix. And so people are anxiously awaiting. That's you know, going to be good, I think. I think they'd that. have to work really hard to screw that up. Yeah. We'll probably have to do. We'll probably have to come back and do. And yeah, we'll definitely get. Yeah, talk we'll about definitely that. do a, a Evelyn Hugo. Uh, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, casting of what that's going to look like. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for you know, for me, it's always kind of cool to see these writers that you know I've read that were a part of this world that isn't you know often a part of the. I don't know the mainstream. It's exciting whenever something you like becomes something that people is get bigger. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. When people start paying attention to it, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm. It'll be you know this will be a book and an audio book that'll be like a reread for me. Oh, you yeah. know, I'm one of these people. Like if I finish a really um, emotional book or, you know, a series, you know, or a trilogy that's really like leaves me with what we call the book hangover. I oftentimes struggle with getting back into, um, you know, starting to read another book. And so I have my, you know, my comfort reads that I'll go back to and read, um, when I'm kind of in a book slump or, you know, I'm in the middle of a book hangover or something that I will go back to. And, and Daisy Jones and the six is definitely going to be one of those that I will go back and either listen to or read, um, as kind of one of those comfort reads. So, and, and the series will be one of those that I will, you know, as long as Amazon keeps it up, I will, I will go back and watch it. I'll probably start again tonight. (laughs) I haven't I mean, watched it since it ended. I truly, I truly do miss. I miss the characters, and I want to know should, more about we should write them. Fanfic. <laughs> well, you we know, should go look and see if there's Daisy sure Jones there six fanfic on, out there. Know, there <gasps> oh my god, I didn't even think about that. But I really, you know, it's just yeah. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to the next. Yeah, to seeing the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. 
And, you know, I think we've got maybe one more thing that we're going to tease out of this show for us. Um, the next podcast is going to be about the music, mm-hmm. the, the tracks, um, the actual names of the tracks, those songs. We'll talk about some of the music that's used in the show and, of course, the actual songs that were written for Daisy Jones and the Six. So yeah. we'll talk about that. So um, be we'll sure back. to um, keep listening. Um, <laughs> um, we, you know, you can find us on Instagram. Now that school's out, maybe I'll go back in there and start reposting some stuff. Have some time to do some things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Nobody's Muses. You can find us um, on YouTube. Um, you can hear us wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Or send us an email, Gmail, yes. uh, a Gmail, um, email, Gmail. What am I trying to say? Anyway, Nobody's Muses at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts of your highs and lows or your differences from the book to the series that um, we didn't touch on, um, please reach out. We would love to hear from you about that. Um, And yeah, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some more music, um, as Crystal said, and then we'll kind of see where we're going to go from there. Who knows? I'm just really proud of the set. We did it. So I know we did it. Yep. So we got it done. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks. Until next time. Bye.